Do you have a Bible with you today? I hope you do. 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's go there. 2 Timothy 3. Confident living in perilous times. Today we start a short series entitled Confident Living in Perilous Times. Today is part one of that. I really want to encourage you to continue coming each week because today we're addressing the foundation of that, how to have confident living in perilous times. And then the weeks after this, we're going to build on that, and it's going to be particularly important for those of us who are believers. What do you do as a Christian in the days in which we live? We know we're saved. What do you do? As things uh, are going the way they are, do you, you know, yeah, you can go on YouTube and you can see all these different videos on survival and and, you know, special food to buy your family and to do this and do that and all these different ideas. What do you do with, and, you know, if there's a nuclear bomb and, and all this kind of stuff? I can tell you this, if a nuclear bomb's dropped on me, I know where I'm going to be. You might say, yeah, you'll be in pieces. Well, even that, probably not. I'll probably just get burned up. But, um, but friends, I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. That's where I'm going to be. Now sometimes, uh, you know, there's a song, a popular song right now, uh, sometimes the, the, uh, he calms the storm, some of you have heard it, you could give me the next line of that. That was not original lyric with the, whoever wrote the song. Really, it's an old saying, and I'll give you the saying, the statement now, and the truth of it is, the author's unknown. We don't know who said it, but it is true and it rings true. Sometimes the Lord calms the storm. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. The unraveling of our world, folks, continues. We continue to experience sorrow, grief, when we see these senseless things going on in the world, the mass shootings that have been happening. In the two recent shootings, 31 dead, dozens injured. Remember this, they're not just statistics. Each person leaves behind family and friends who are numb, who are grieving, and in many cases are angry. And I get that. I get that. And yet God's word tells us this, that these issues are predictable in light of scripture. Okay? If you want to know what's happening, you don't even need to read the newspaper or go on the internet. All you got to do is go in the Bible. The Bible was written. God has given us what's going to happen. He's told us how things will be in the last days, and we are living today in what's called the last days. No, that does not mean, listen, that does not mean it's the last days because global warming is going to take place or is taking place, and we're all going to be dead in 10 years. Because of that, because there are, there are a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, bison who are passing gas all over the planet. So eat more chicken. Right? Chick-fil-A here. You know, it's one thing for one person to, to work at Chick-fil-A, but when a husband and wife work at Chick-fil-A, that's amazing. No, it's a great place. It's a great place. It really is. You know, I, I love their chicken sandwich, but uh, their lemonade is amazing. Chick-fil-A, it's just amazing. But here's the point. Let me just mention this about the 
climate change, global warming, and all, all, all that, okay? You're not going to change a thing. You're not going to change a thing. God is in control of it. And he does in the Bible, it does talk about global warming, but that's something that God is going to do as a judgment on the planet during the seven-year tribulation period, which is yet future. Now, that being so, and the fact that after that, Jesus is going to rule and reign on this planet for a thousand years shows us right there that nothing we are going to do as human beings is going to destroy the planet because God's the one who controls that. Now in 2 Timothy though, back to earth, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 it says this, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You might say, doesn't look like a bright future. Well, There is down the road a much brighter future than that. But these are the days, folks, in which we live. In the last days, we know we're in the last days. Therefore, it should come as no surprise that things would be this way, that we're seeing what we're seeing, all right? I noticed just uh, uh, last week, there was somebody, they, they caught up with somebody who had basically gone on a stabbing rampage, and had, I think it was four different people were assaulted. This person had stabbed them and all. Now, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to ban knives? What are you going to do with your steak? Are you going to cut it with your finger? Or bite it off with your teeth? See, that's not the issue. The issue is a heart issue. The issue is a spiritual issue. This is what it comes down to. And as long as there are people who are intent and committed to doing that which is evil, laws are not going to stop it. Laws don't stop that. It says in verse one, perilous times will come. The word perilous means fierce, fierce. We are living in fierce times. By the way, I want you to see this. Hold your place here and turn with me to Matthew chapter eight. This word for fierce, I won't give you the Greek word because none of us, most of us don't know Greek anyway, and for me to give it to you would be of no profit, so I'm not even going to tell you what the Greek word is. But I will tell you this. This word for fierce is only used one other place in the New Testament, and I want you to see what it describes. Matthew 8, verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, There met him two possessed with devils, demons. Two demon-possessed men met Jesus coming out of the tomb, exceeding what? Fierce, so that no man might pass by. Don't you think it's interesting that the only other time in the New Testament that the word fierce is used, it's used to describe demon-possessed people. This is serious. This is serious. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, 
Verse 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I'm going to go through all the things listed, give you very brief synonyms for them, all right? Lovers of their own selves, okay? (laughs) We are living in the days of narcissism, folks, if you haven't noticed, okay? Where all people think about, all people talk about, all people care about, not all people, but most people, is themselves. Self-centeredness will be one of the marks of the last days. Narcissistic, egotistical, all right? This is one of the marks of the last days. People will create their own worlds, and I think one of the things that's helping people create their worlds today is electronics, all right? School's about to begin over at St. Cloud State. You go any day on the campus of St. Cloud State, and it seems like the vast majority of people are walking around with their smartphone and earbuds in, all right? They're living in their own world. As a matter of fact, they're around some of those roundabouts. They've got those crosswalks on either side, which is not a great idea, by the way. And you've got these students looking at their phones, walking, not paying any attention to the traffic whatsoever. I am really surprised not more people have been hurt or killed. Living in their own worlds. This is where we're at today. Self-focus, okay? Self-gratification. Everything is about how I feel, what I want, what I can get. Covetous. The next one. Uh, literally, it's, it's focused on money, the word covetous. Now, it could be that you want stuff, but the focus is on a lover of money. That's really what the word covetous means, okay? It's all about money, Third, boasters, boasters, people who brag about their accomplishments. The next one's proud, okay, arrogant, arrogant, haughty. Next, blasphemers, blasphemers, evil speakers, people who are profane. You see, folks, we have become a nation that ridicules God and his word instead of building society upon it. This is why we're at today. We have forsaken the roots of our nation, which was a Judeo-Christian foundation. Listen, anybody who tells you that it was different than that is not being honest with you. You can find, yes, you can find some website that will agree with you, but that doesn't mean that's the way it was. All you got to do is go to Washington, D.C. and walk around and look at all the scripture engraved in Washington, D.C. It's everywhere. What does that tell you? What it tells you is that we are founded on the word of God as a nation. Everybody Christian? No. But we were founded on the word of God, and that's what made us great. That's what made us great. But when you decide, you know what, we don't want this anymore, we don't want biblical principles, every every quote-unquote religion is the same. Now, I believe in freedom of religion, but every one of them is the same. No, they're not all the same. There's only one truth. Sorry. Sorry, it's Christianity, that is the truth. Jesus, Christianity, Christ, Jesus Christ. Jesus said it, Jesus said it. It's not, a, it's not a pious opinion we have, folks. Jesus said it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. That's about as narrow as you can get. I know people, you're just so narrow-minded. Now let me tell you, dear friend, please listen. You can be narrow-minded if you're right. And I'm not right because I'm right. I'm right because I agree with Jesus, who's God, who can't make a mistake. Okay? 
That's the truth of it. Blasphemers, even preachers, by the way, are mocking the word of God and what it says. Preachers who believe in evolution or theistic evolution. Preachers who believe that the gay lifestyle is acceptable to God. Now listen, by the way, it is not acceptable to God. It is sin according to the word of God. However, there are lots of things that are sin. Greed is sin. Pride is sin. Covetousness is sin. And yes, homosexuality is also according to the word of God. But yet, what are churches doing more and more? They're embracing these things. They're changing because of the pressure that is on them to change. I can tell you this, for this preacher, I'm not changing. Okay? And this church is not changing either. We will stand on what the Bible says because God has never been wrong and he never will be. But this is what's going on today and it's a sad day in which we live. Instead of churches and preachers standing up for what the Bible says, we are compromising it and we're paying the price. By the way, we're losing our children because of the compromise. Hold your place and look at Isaiah chapter five. I know we recently covered this. But it is a powerful verse because it tells us exactly where we were. Now, obviously, Isaiah most likely did not know that these characteristics would be there in the last days, although if you were to ask him, he would probably say, yeah, that's probably, probably going to be true. Isaiah 5, verse 20, it says this, and this is where we're at today. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Listen, fierce times. Is it any question? Is it any wonder why we are where we are at today? I know or just, just I think it was yesterday or the day before, they finally decided not to release a new movie that was coming out. Now I won't tell you the name of it because I don't want to give it credibility. This movie, it's a satirical, quote-unquote, movie. And what it is, is these, basically, it's a a group of uh, wealthy liberals or leftists, okay? And they decide what they're going to do. They've got this land. They've got this property. What they're going to do is they are going to bring in, basically, conservatives. Uh, They are basically going to let them loose on the land for survival, And they are going to hunt them. Hunt them. And one of the lines in the movie, they call them deplorables. Now listen, if conservatives would do that with liberals, there'd be unbelievable outrage in this country. Now there has been some outrage, and I'm grateful for that. And they've decided not to. And they said, well, in light of the recent shootings, we're not going to do it. Well, I hope not. Use your head, man. Hunt them. Do you see where we're at, folks? We live in fierce days. Fierce days. Back to our text. Disobedient to parents. Rebellious, undutiful, uncontrolled. Kids who are out of control. Listen, I don't have to tell you about that. Number seven, unthankful. Unthankful, ungrateful, lacking appreciation. You might say, oh, I don't see much of that. Well, You don't? How about this? We have in our nation an entitlement attitude. 
Not all millennials think that way, but some of them do. Plenty of them do. They're entitled to things. They're entitled to free education. They're entitled to this. They're entitled to that. It isn't, oh, you would do that for me? Oh, that's amazing. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What can I do for you? That's not it. It's that, wait a minute, you owe that to me. Wait a minute, I've got, I've got $50,000 in, in, in unpaid tuition bills from college. Why don't you just wipe that out for me? Listen, friend, you need to wake up. You don't, no one should be doing that for you. If you can't afford college, you shouldn't go to college, okay? If you can't pay your bill, you shouldn't be there. I'd say, oh, that just sounds mean. That's what's wrong with you Christians. You're so mean. Well, let's turn the tables, friend. If, if whatever you do for a living, if I hired you to do that and you did it for me, let's say you worked a year for me and when the time came to pay you and I decided, you know what? You just ought to wipe out my debt. Why are you even asking for it, the money? Well, because I did the work. No, no, no. You should do it for me for free. That's the mentality. That's unthankful. Next one, unholy. This word means profane, irreverent, holding nothing sacred. Isn't it amazing when people come to church? See, this is what we've done. This is the lack of teaching of the children that has taken place. People come to church and they don't see it any different than going to a ball game. It's no different. There is no respect today for the holy for the godly. This is where we're at. 2 Timothy 3, verse 3, without natural affection, means hard-hearted, unnaturally, unnaturally callous, unfeeling. By the way, you know, I like to maybe consider connecting some things. Could this be the result of all the wicked, violent, and perverse media people are consuming today? I think it's related. Listen, if anybody denies that, how can you deny such a thing? We are feeding ourselves. We are feeding the children. We are feeding society of all this wicked, violent stuff. By the way, that movie I told you about, I was able to see the trailer online, and all the thing is, is killing people. And remember, all the people being killed are conservative people. It's killing, killing them this way, killing them that way, shooting them, bows and arrows, any way you want to hunt them, hunt them. And then we wonder why we have a violent society today. Oh, people don't take that seriously. Sure they do. Sure they do. Next one, truce breakers. Okay, refusing to make or keep peace, refusing efforts towards reconciliation. Okay, let's say, okay, peace is agreed on, then it's broken that uh, agreement is broken. Next one, false accusers, slanderers, lying about others, lying about others. Boy, isn't that the truth in a political environment we're in today? Unbelievable stuff that's been going on. Incontinent, without self-control is what it means, incontinent. By the way, it has nothing to do with your bodily function, okay? Without self-control, Control. Men of uncontrolled passions, dissolute, debauched. Folks, people who live like animals with their passions. This uh, 
multi-millionaire, maybe billionaire. I'm not sure how much money he had. Epstein, who just died in jail. And what he was running. The perversion that was there. Okay? Say, well, he hung himself. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? I have a hard time believing that. Listen, I'm not a conspiracy person, but, well, maybe sometimes I am. Some of the things going on, but I'm not a nut about it. Just look at the way things are, and you have to wonder, don't you? Next one, fierce. Fierce means brutal, savage, unprincipled, despisers of those that are good. Isn't that amazing? The ones who get mocked the most in our nation today are people who hold the biblical values. Those who are, who are committed to a perverted lifestyle, a corrupt lifestyle, an immoral lifestyle, they're the heroes. They're the celebrities. Haters of who, whoever and whatever is good, utterly opposed to goodness in any form. Verse four, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Traitors, betrayers, lots of betrayers today. Depends on how much money you have, whether somebody will be true to a principle. Heady means headstrong, headstrong, self-willed, haughty, conceited. Literally, it's, it's an interesting word. It means enveloped with smoke, okay? You are so, we are so full of ourselves, we're in a cloud of, of self, and people can't make right judgments because they can't see it because the smoke is so thick. This is the idea. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Is this not the way it is? Yes. Now listen, I have nothing against sports. I'm a Twins fan. Go Twins. Be Cleveland last night. Ha ha. Anyway, we'll see where it goes. But here's the point. They talked, I think it was something like over 37,000 people at Target Field last night. Okay? Why is it we get 37,000 people in Target Field and churches have to do everything they can come up with to try to get people to come to church? The churches, if the world was right, the churches ought to be completely packed every single service. They ought to be completely packed. But here's the truth of it. We care more about everything else than the godly. We're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, okay? We'll scream, we'll holler, we'll wear clothes, having to do with our favorite sports team. But boy, oh boy, if you talk about speaking up for Jesus Christ, well, you know, to each his own. What? Verse 5 having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Having a form of godliness. In other words, you can put on a show from such turn away. Don't follow the world or carnal believers. Now, I may make some enemies by this next statement. It is not my goal. But when I think of verse 19, I can't help but think of many of the entertainers, particularly the country western people, country music people, who live sensual, perverted, corrupt lifestyles, and then they'll, in the midst of all of that, they'll come out with an album of hymns. Friends, do us a favor. If you want to live that way, leave the hymns alone. If you want, listen, we live in America, you have freedom of choice, not freedom of results, freedom of choice, you can 
choose that, but don't link yourself to that which is godly when you are living in a perverse, corrupt way. And that not only goes for them, it goes for anybody else. It's the hypocrisy in many ways that turns people off. These women wearing sleazy, sleazy dresses. Men see that and they they lust after that and then they're singing a song, How Great Thou Art. Something's wrong. What is it? We're living in the last days. God told us it would be this way. See, here's the truth. I, I said all that. I've spent most of the message on that. Why? Well, that's the Bible. That's the text. But here's the truth. You can never be truly godly unless you are a child of God. Right? And this is the first factor in confident living in the last days. To not be anchored in Christ as your Savior is simply wishful thinking. Does God want us to live in fear? We are living in fearful days, folks. We are living in perilous times. We are living in times that, yeah, it could get to us and it could scare us. It could, but does it have to? No, the answer to that is no. It does not have to. Does God want us to live in fear? Absolutely not. No matter what the future holds, we as believers can face it with confidence if we apply the truths that we are going to be covering here in these next few weeks. So what truths do we need to take heed of for confident living. The first one is this, salvation. Now, you know what? There may be a temptation for you today to say, okay, I got, I, I got this, and you're just gonna tune out. Please don't do that. You are not seeing it like God does, okay? There is no reason to live a confident life unless you have salvation, And friends, for those of us who know the gospel and are saved, we need to care more about others and quit being lovers of ourselves and understand those without Christ don't have this. And indeed, their future is one of peril. There is nothing you or I could face more important than this. Salvation means to be delivered from something bad or dangerous to a place of safety. This provides eternal safety. And when we are eternally safe, we can have confidence about what comes our way. Why? Because we're eternally safe. Many people are afraid of dying. Many people. For the lost... I understand that. I really do. Then there are those who believe the lie and who aren't, who aren't afraid of dying and they believe the lie, and here's the lie, it's demonic, that when you die, that's it, it's all over. Now, if this guy, Epstein, did in fact kill himself, the misery and horror that he was looking at for himself down the road was nothing compared to what happened to him when he passed from this life into the next. Hell is real. It is forever. It is a place of unbearable suffering. Death does not end anything except the physical life of a person. The truth is, those who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior should be afraid of dying. It really should be. Let me give you some sub points on this. 
First is this. The lost, those who don't know Christ the Savior, stand condemned before God and they are under his wrath. Now this is just what the Bible teaches, okay? While God loves us, God hates our sin. If we die in our sin, we will be lost forever and we will suffer the wrath of God in hell. The anger, the fury of God. Now, you know, people say, well, I can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. Number one, he doesn't send anybody to hell. Let me explain this to you. He doesn't send anybody to hell. They reject Christ, and that's where they end up because they rejected the payment God made for them. Let me, let me show you this. Look up here. It's hand representing you and me. Let this represent our sin. We are all sinners according to the Bible. All of us are, including me. Okay? God loves us. He hates our sin. Sin separates us from him. God says everybody who dies either goes to heaven or to hell. Okay? No in-betweens, and there's only two places. I say, I believe in heaven, but I don't believe in hell. You're calling Jesus a liar. Jesus spoke more of hell than he did of heaven. He didn't want anybody to go to hell. That's why we say it. That's why we talk about it each week. We care. God loves us. He hates our sin. If we die in our sin, we'll be lost forever in hell. Lost forever in hell. No second chances. No getting out after a thousand years or anything like that. It is forever. Most people think good works will get rid of the sin. Good works will not take care of the sin, okay? The Bible says it's not of works, lest any man should boast. See, here's the thing. Heaven's a perfect place, and you have to be sinless to get in. Well, none of us are. So if that was the end of the story, none of us are going. And if we're not going to heaven when we die, then all of us would have to end up in hell when we die. God doesn't want that for us. You got to be perfect to get in. None of us are. That's why no matter what amount of good works you do, it doesn't take away the sin. This is what's got to be gone. Good works are fine, but they won't save you. If your faith is in your good works, you're trusting in something that won't save you. It won't take care of the sin. So then what are we going to do? Well, here's the beauty of the word of God. God loves us. He hates our sin. He himself said, I want man to live forever with me in heaven. He took on flesh the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son, the eternal Son of God, by the way. He came to the earth, took on flesh, and when he went to the cross of Calvary, he went there for the express purpose of paying for our sins, for us as a substitute. He died in our place. He took our sin upon himself, not only what we've done in the past, but all of our sin, even of the future, He took it upon himself. He made the complete payment, leaving us nothing to pay for. And he rose from the grave. And he says, if we will believe in him or put our faith in him or our trust in him, that he made that payment for us, the moment we do, he gives us everlasting life. Our sins are gone, gives you a home in heaven, and that's how you escape forever in hell. Remember I said salvation. What is salvation? It is to be delivered from something bad or dangerous to a place of safety. When you trust Christ the Savior, he delivers you from an eternity in hell to an eternity with him in heaven. What a marvelous thing that is. Look with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. But until you put your faith in Christ, 
You are in a perilous situation, friend. You're in a dangerous situation. And if you die without trusting Christ, there are no second chances. You might say, well, I'm young. It doesn't mean anything. Young people die all the time. Children die all the time. It's terrible, but it happens. Why? Well, because the wages of sin is death. Death is passed upon all men, all sin, and we are living in a cursed world. John 3, verse 16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave, God gave his only begotten son, that was Jesus. He died for our sins, rose from the grave, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't say whosoever believes and and promises, no. Whosoever believes and is baptized, no. Whosoever believes and commits to living a good life or turns from all of his sins, no. The only thing required is faith because he did all the work. No work for us. He did all the work. He paid the price. Salvation had to be paid for, yes. But Jesus did it. He's offering it to us. Salvation is a gift. You notice, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. That's forever. Verse 17, for God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world. Why? The world's already condemned but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned. Look at that next word. Already, already. Friend, if you die without Christ, you're already condemned. By the way, this is another reason we know that your good works can't save you because if you haven't trusted Christ, you're already condemned. It's not an issue of living a life of good works to see how you do in the end. And why is he condemned already? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus, God who is our Savior. Jump down to verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath that moment, possesses now, present tense, everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But in contrast to that, what is true? The wrath of God abides right now on him. Not when he dies. It's a dark cloud hanging over the head of every unbeliever right now. Now listen, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, he gave you eternal life. He says, I'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. All your sins are forgiven. Does that mean we should go live wicked lives? No, no, it doesn't mean that. Okay, it's always good to do the right thing. It's always good to live according to the principles of God's word. There's blessings and reward and so forth, but that doesn't determine your destiny. But if you've trusted Christ the Savior, you can say, you know what, no matter how bad it gets here, I've got heaven coming. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, you should be afraid. Preachers are afraid to say it. Well, I don't want to offend people. You better start offending. Hell is real. Eternity is real. When you die physically, you're going to one place or another. We better start being honest with people and caring about them enough to tell them the truth of this. You're trying to scare me. No, I'm not trying to scare you, but if you're getting scared, it's because you're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he's telling you, you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. You notice it? You don't come back in another life, okay? You're not reincarnated. That's a demonic doctrine, reincarnation. It gets people to think, well, it's not a big deal that I get this taken care of while I'm alive, this thing about eternity. You can always come back as something else, you know? If it's bad karma, you come back as a pig or something like that. If it's good karma, I don't know what you come back as. Dachshund? By the way, why is it almost always animals? Anyways, that's another. Ask the Hindu. Um, let me go on. When you trust Jesus Christ, the Savior, he gives you eternal life. He gives you a home in heaven. You're going to be with him forever. You'll never know the wrath of God. I was thinking about this yesterday, and, and, and a thought came to my mind. I want to share it with you. One second in heaven is better than a lifetime on earth. Think about it. One second in heaven is better than a lifetime on earth. Boy, that ought to give you some confidence. If you're in Christ, if you've trusted Christ the Savior, this is what we have to look forward to, folks. You are forgiven of all your sin the moment you trust Christ the Savior. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, believers are eternally secure so that even if you were to die unexpectedly, you will immediately go into the presence of God forever. You may die today. I may die today. I may die today. I feel good, but it doesn't matter. I could get an aneurysm. I could get a blood clot. A lot of different things could happen, right? And I could go home to be with the Lord. But here's the truth. I know where I'm going. And I can face the future because of who Christ is and what he's done for me. The fact that we as believers will spend eternity with God even when we fail in this life, even when we sin against him in this life should give us a permanent mindset of confidence as we face the future. I am in Christ There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And once you're in Christ, you can't get out of Christ. I have eternal life. I have reservations according to 1 Peter 1, verses 4 and 5. Think about it, reservations. There's not a time we set up reservations and and we go. There's always that thing. You go to the front desk, and I don't worry about it, but there's always that initial thing. May I help you? Yes, Reservations for Kakuza. Almost always. Let's see. Oh, yes, here you are. But it has happened before to where it doesn't seem like they're there. Okay, maybe once, maybe twice over the years. Guess what? That'll never happen in heaven. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you get there. Reservations for Kakuza. Right here, this is your place. Let me take you there. Man, do we have a wonderful dwelling place for you. Mansion. Really? Colonial white pillars? (laughs) Some of you get that. 
listen to Custard's Last Stand and you'll get it. What in the world is he talking about? Has he gone bonkers? No, but I'll tell you what, it gets me excited talking about home. And home's not here. Home's there. Turn with me, let's close with Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. By the way, it always comes down in the end, this issue of eternity, doesn't it? We went to a, uh, a wake a few weeks ago who in their last days trusted Christ as Savior. And we went there. And you know, there's not a time when I go to a funeral or a wake, a visitation, whatever you want to call them, there's not a time when I don't think, if the thought comes in my mind, it always comes down to what have you done with Christ? It always comes down. Doesn't matter who you were, doesn't matter how, much, how famous, doesn't matter how much money, doesn't matter your notoriety, doesn't matter your accomplishments, is have you trusted Jesus Christ or not as your Savior? Well, it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved. We're not saved by works. For by grace, God's unmerited favor, are you saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friend, you can face the future with confidence if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. That's one of many things that we're going to be covering, but that is indeed the most important and the foundation of everything else. If you've not trusted Christ, would you do that today? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.